our body perceives these calorie restrictions as a threat to survival. They, our body perceives them as a starvation event. And the body is wired to survive. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm tuning in with my sister, Lauren. Hi, Renee. You have such a nice voice. Oh, do I have a voice for radio? She got that radio voice. Why, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You do. <laughs> We have a guest for you today, Dr. David Prologo, and we are talking all about weight loss today, which is always a hot topic in the space. You know, we definitely believe in taking a holistic approach. You know, I think that weight loss is one of those things that when you optimize everything else in your life and you get healthy, it's kind of a byproduct of that. And Dr. Prologo brings a really interesting perspective on this. He has this term called the catching point, which he will explain a little bit more in the show. And I think his mission to help people overcome this, because, you know, as we start off the episode, which you're going to hear in just a second, you know, this is a major, major issue. Nearly two thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. So this is obviously an issue of Lauren, you even say it's kind of insanity, right? We keep trying the same thing and it's not working. January 1st comes every year. We try the same thing. It doesn't work. So he is trying to switch things up and help people overcome this by getting to that catching point. And then from there, nutrition, fitness, everything kind of falls into place a little bit easier for everyone. Yeah. I, well, one, what I really appreciate first is that he's just so much fun. It's fun to have someone that can banter and he has lots of amazing analogies, always super interesting. And I think a little more tangible for these topics. Number two, he's really on this mission to not sell this magic pill solution. I think that's personally one of my biggest frustrations in this space that there's so many people, even with good intentions, even biohackers, nutrition practitioners that are kind of selling this one thing that's going to solve the problems. And he's saying, you know, a lot of people may not like it, but this is the real deal. This is what we have to do. We have to put in the work. We have to have trust. We have to commit for a long time. You know, he didn't say the word consistency, but that's what I kept thinking. It's like, we have to be consistent. That's the only way we're going to have long-term success. So we haven't personally read the book. We haven't had a chance. I'm very intrigued now after listening to him. Uh, in some ways, it was a little upside down from what I would use as an approach to weight loss, where you know, going upstream, going to root cause and really looking at all the spokes on the wheel, making sure uh, gut microbiome, which of course travels up the vagus nerve to the brain. And so we have more, more willpower or better mindset, but he's really kind of taking the other approach that we have to go to the body downstream. So he has some solutions there with his medical practice, but then I think he has some more practical solutions in the book so that we can start changing exercise capacity, motivation, start eating cleaner. So some real world applications, but his medical perspective 
it was just so different from what we do. And I was, I'm very fascinated by it. So hopefully you will be too and want to get the book. He has lots of awesome resources, which you can scroll on down to the show notes and get more of. Yeah, I definitely, I think it's still hard for people to focus on the long-term goals, even not just weight loss, right? Fatigue or whatever they're overcoming. They're like, well, it's been a week. I don't feel better yet. You know? And it's like <laughs> one week. Yeah. I, I hear that all the time and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but you know, how, how long have you had, you know, you've had Lyme disease for 20 years. It's not going to, you know, be resolved in one week. Same thing mm-hmm. with weight loss. So yes, definitely fascinating conversation. Love his energy and appreciate that he spent his lunchtime with us today. Yes. All right. A little bit more about Dr. David Prologo. He is a dual board certified interventional radiologist and obesity medicine specialist. He has spent more than 20 years specifically analyzing the phenomenon of diet attrition. Why do diets always fail? More importantly, when they do fail, why do we blame the patients for that failure? That journey led Dr. Pologo to perform first inhuman advanced interventional procedures to manage obesity, diabetes, and other medical conditions. It further led to the identification of the catching point, a clear pivot point beyond which calorie restriction and exercise are easier for patients. He has been recognized nationally and internationally for his work, including features on the Today Show, in the Washington Post, on Capitol Hill, in numerous peer-reviewed journal publications, countless web-based invited expert articles, and much more. All right, let's have some fun. All right, welcome Dr. Pologo to the Biohacker Babes. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation today. We are talking all about weight loss, which is still, I think, one of the top concerns or health concerns in today's world. And actually, before we jumped on, I went online and I was looking up some statistics about this because I know it is such a big issue. And I found, this is fascinating, an estimated 45 million Americans go on a diet each year. Mm-hmm. And Americans spend $33 billion each year on weight loss products. Right. Yet, sadly, around two-thirds of the population is still overweight or obese. So to kick this off, like, what do you think is, you know, despite all of the money going into nutrition and fitness, you know, why do you feel that people are so largely unsuccessful with this? Oh, my gosh. So well said, well said. So uh, I, it's, that's the, what, what you're talking about right there. Is, is the epicenter of my whole life and existence and profession. So uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, pointed question I could probably answer for the rest of the day, but I'll try to, to be concise. Well, let me, let, me say, let me put it this way. Think of it as anything else, right? If you were reading statistics about any other condition, breast cancer or, I don't know, rashes or yellow teeth, any other condition, and you said that you know, almost a, a third of the population millions of people try this every year, try these diets every year, uh, or try this teeth whitener or treatment for breast cancer, and most of them fail, like 95% of them fail. And so as time goes on, the number of people with yellow teeth or breast cancer continues to go up and up and up and up until in the United States alone, it's over 100 million. And uh, each time we come back to the topic of, of breast cancer or yellow teeth or rashes, and we ask doctors, what's new, you know, what, what can we do? And we just say, oh, we'll just keep doing the same stuff. We'll just keep trying the same approaches. And uh, even though it's been a miserable failure and it's, uh, there's a global pandemic, which of course we hear that all the time now, but there's a global pandemic of, of overweight and obesity and, and yellow teeth, we'll just stick with the same solution, right? 
And so that that right there is is the uh, is the center of all of my work. And I think that it's I think there's an answer for why uh, we continue to fail. And I'm happy to explain it if I haven't talked too long already. Oh, no, let's go right to it. What, everything you just mentioned just sounds like the definition of insanity. So please tell me. Yeah, good point. So it's, it's actually worse than that, right? It's actually worse than that. We don't we don't just so let's use yellow teeth as our let's stick with that example. So so we don't just keep prescribing the same solution and it not working. It's actually worse than that. When the patient comes back and says, you know, I tried this thing that you gave me for my yellow teeth. I tried this uh, program that you gave me, but I just, I couldn't do it because it stung my gums and, you know, so forth. And so I just, I couldn't stay on it. So my teeth are still yellow. So not only do we not change the solution, but now we shame the patient for not being able to uh, stick with the therapy, right? So we answer them by saying things like, well, I guess you must not really want uh, to have white teeth because uh, otherwise you would stick with this this thing that I gave you. And that, and that patient will respond to us by saying, well, doctor, have you ever had yellow teeth? You know, and, and my answer will be no, but I'm sure if I did that I could do this program and I would convert back to white teeth and you can't do it because you're a piece of crap, right? So, so that is, is the, the, the status of how things are right now, right? So why is that? And the, the, the primary answer is that our body perceives these calorie restrictions and these uh, on new onset of exercise programs as a threat to survival. They, our body perceives them as a starvation event. And the body is wired to survive. So the minute we do that, just like if we were to go underwater, for example, the minute we deprive our body of oxygen, which we need to live, our body starts to freak out, right? And send these nerve-mediated signals for us to burst to the surface and get, get oxygen so we don't die, right? The same thing happens the minute we restrict our food or, and or uh, start a new assault on the body in the form of exercise. And so the body does all these things, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We can go through them. But the point is that response is not something that can be beat. So if I tell you to stay underwater, you're not going to be able to beat that response. You're going to stay under for a while. Uh, and then eventually it will be the only thing on your mind. And then eventually you won't be able to resist the body's signals to survive and you'll burst to the surface. Now, this is a good time to point out, because somebody in the audience right now is saying that they did it. So this is a good time to point out that somebody is going to be able to stay underwater until they pass out, right? But that is that is the minority. I'm not talking about the one person who did it and sustained it. I'm talking about the 99%, the 120 million who couldn't do it. So just want to add that in there. And so that's the reason that we're not, we're not successful. That's the reason why we haven't solved this problem, right? That's that's the reason why we haven't seen, for example, if we go back to the breast cancer, the breast cancer example, 40 years ago, we did our best with breast cancer, but right now we do way better, right? Way better. We control it and we treat it so much better than we did before. Um, but when it comes to obesity and overweight, because we don't address these, these responses and we continue to prescribe the same thing, people continue to fail. And, uh, and here we are. So how much of it is this? kind of a psychological or a mindset piece because we know caloric restriction is actually fabulous for longevity. And when we're looking at weight loss, we do need a little bit of that. It's just, I think a lot of people get attached psychologically to this idea that we have to restrict. And so are you saying they're just doing too much for too long? And is it 
yeah, are we just like mentally, emotionally kind of, kind of addicted to that idea and we can't flex in and out of it? Hey, biohackers. We just have a quick interruption in today's episode to tell you about something that is a game changer when it comes to blue light. So, you know, we talk about blue light exposure a lot on the podcast and how we really want to be getting outdoors, getting that natural blue light exposure, especially first thing in the morning, right? That's going to help get us energized and focused and increase our natural rise in cortisol for the day. But unfortunately, a lot of us are sitting inside on computers and tablets and phones and TVs, right? And we're getting all this artificial blue light, which is very damaging to our overall health, but especially for our eye health. We don't want to be straining our eyes all day with this blue light exposure because it can cause long-term damage to our eyes, but also like that eye strain, maybe you've experienced headaches or blurry vision or just that mental fatigue. So a really easy biohack for this is to wear blue light blocking glasses during the day. And that's where our friends from Felix Gray come in, which I am wearing right now. Not that you can see them because you're just listening to my voice, but they're nice because they just look like normal glasses. So if you don't like the crazy amber looking glasses when you're on your work calls or whatever, this is a really great option to protect your eyes during the day. Yeah, I definitely feel a difference and I am wearing my glasses as well right now too. I feel a difference when I do not wear them. Despite my best efforts, I am a a magnet to the sun, but I also have Zoom calls on my computer all day long. So I often can't get the balance of indoor to outdoor light like I want to. And if I'm not wearing my glasses, I do start to feel that fatigue, maybe brain fog, which I think a lot of us jump to. I need more sugar or I need more caffeine. Well, it could just be that your brain is exhausted from staring at blue light. So I think this is a really, really easy biohack that we should all be implementing if you are victim to these modern day stressors, like being in front of your computer, or even if you're on your phone a lot during the day, it does not hurt to try. And what we love about Felix Gray is that they're making some pretty stylish glasses. I think traditionally, a lot of the blue light blocking companies We're not really going for fashion, and I know that's not the most important thing. We just want to block the blue light, but that was a big commitment for a lot of people because you look a little bit different at nighttime, and I know I like to wear mine in the airports and on airplanes, and so I'm just really grateful that we are moving in the direction that we can look like we're just wearing normal glasses or glasses that, you know, fit our face, and we have different styles and frames so that we can look stylish, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And they've also gone one step further. They have prescription glasses available. And I remember when this first came out on the market, the blue light blocking glasses, especially like dad, he would wear his like reading glasses, prescription glasses, and then wear his blue light blocking glasses over it. And it's like, we've got to fix this problem. And Felix (laughs) Gray has done that. And their lenses actually filter 15 times more blue light. So that's really how it's helping our eyes. And you can see true color despite the lens tint, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And the tint, it's actually built into the glasses. If you get really cheap ones on Amazon, you'll notice you could actually scratch the color off of it, which is not, hopefully you're not going to sit there and scratch at them, but you could scratch it off. This is built into the lens. So it's a really high quality. And I feel like these are going to just last me forever. They're awesome. Yes. So if you want to check out these awesome glasses, you can head over to felixgrayglasses.com slash biohackerbabes. Always easy to remember that, right? Biohackerbabes. Excellent. Let's get back to the show. So a couple of things. So the longevity thing is different, right? So fasting and calorie restriction and its effect on our genes, which I, you are familiar with, I know, 
uh, and that uh, that translation of those genes to proteins that lead to survival, right? That's a different and a fascinating topic, but different than calorie restriction for weight loss. And so the answer, is it psychological? It is, it is an emphatic no. And, and by the way, I also would like to say, if you don't mind, that everything I'm telling you is not uh, Dave Prologo's opinion. This is, uh, as you know, I'm an obesity medicine physician, so I'm trained, I'm familiar with the literature, I uh, perform research. I'm just the messenger for what is known in obesity medicine research. So I don't want anyone to think this is just my opinion. I'm just here to, to relay the facts. So sure. it's not at all a psychological issue. And this is where uh, so much has gone wrong. So in my own career, uh, I have worked to address one of these obstacles that blocks people, one of these survival-based responses. And, and one of them is hunger, okay? Uh, if you stop eating right now, you realize that your body's gonna start to send you messages to eat so you don't die. And if you don't eat for 48 hours, you will realize that, you are not thinking about anything else now, your podcast or anything else you are thinking about. And that's because your body has spilled hunger hormone into your blood, which gets to your brain, and also sends uh, nerve signals from an empty stomach to your brain to send you on a food-seeking mission so you survive. So uh, I'm, I, I promise I'm getting to the answer to your question. You might think I've spun off the rails, but I'm going to come back to the answer. Yeah, I no, the survival piece, I think, is really important to mention. We're trying, uh, our body's trying to keep us safe, right? It, it is, it is. And so- um, with regard to whether or not uh, it's, it's a psychological problem. So one thing we did uh, in, in my job is we, we know how to freeze nerves and shut off the signals because we do that for pain, right? So we took uh, a needle and we froze the nerve that takes the hunger signal from an empty stomach to the brain when people are dieting. So we shut off that signal. And uh, in the absence of that, that was one of the things that blocks people, uh, people lost weight. Now, the reason I tell that story is because uh, we addressed one of the survival-based responses, and people did better. What we did not do is implant willpower. And what we did not do is make any sort of psychological manipulation or change. What we changed was something in the body, and we attenuated that response, and people did better. And so there are eight of those, right, at least. And if we can address those eight things that block us from maintaining our calorie restriction, everybody will do great. But as long as we respond to the patient, you've got to conquer this with your mind, we will continue to fail because it can't be done. It can't be done any more than uh, someone can stay underwater indefinitely. Yeah. I think the, the law of having a willpower, you know, ability to overcome this, I think just doesn't work anymore. And I will say personally, I, I actually struggled with an eating disorder for a long time. And I actually think I had like amazing willpower that pushed me through it, but I was always hungry. All I thought about was food, but I just kept focusing on the restriction side of things, which of course is so not healthy. And I think long-term that definitely messed with my metabolism, but you know, we're using willpower all day to do a million other things. So if we rely right. on that to also control our diet, it's no wonder by 10 PM people are ravaging the fridge and the pantry. So, Correct, because that yeah. because those those thoughts, I mean, they only go so far, right? And yeah. the, the things that we know, we happen to be talking about hunger now. The things that we know that the body does to keep us from starving to death, these are measurable things, right? This ghrelin that you all know about that circulates is a measurable actual thing, right? It's not something that I can use my mind to put back where it came from, right? The stomach produces this cell, fills it into my bloodstream. 
I can't use my mind to put it back, right? This is a this is a physiological response. And this nerve that fires from the stomach to the brain when the stomach is empty, you can measure that like an electrical signal, right? It's not something that I can shut down with my mind. And so what what happens a lot, and this is this is actually the reason that so I wrote this book, right, called The Catching Point Transformation. The reason I wrote this book was exactly what we're talking about now, which is to make the point that this what they call the last accepted prejudice, right? This this idea that you can overcome these physiological things with your mind comes from people who have never actually made that change, right? Most of the people who make these claims that you should be able to just white knuckle through this calorie restriction and lose weight have not done it themselves, which is the same exact model for prejudice that we see in every other setting, right? It's, it's people who say, well, if I grew up in an under-resourced uh, housing project, I would just really put my nose to the grindstone and and I would succeed and, and thereby ignore all the other things that you don't know about that make it more difficult. It's the same thing that happens here. All of this sentiment comes from people who haven't actually done it in the past. And what makes it what makes the problem even worse is those are the same people selling the products, right? So all of this noise that you hear comes from people who have not actually made a change from 250 pounds to 170 pounds, right? That person I would listen to because they know what is happening here. They're not just saying, well, I've always been lean, but I'm I'm sure that I could do it and so on. So, so all of the products are coming from the same people who have no experience in making that change. And all of the comments about psychological power and overcoming this with your mind are also coming from people who have not actually made that change before. And so it's this house of cards, right? It's none of it is real. I yeah. that sounded kind of hostile, you're, but I, that's just the no, way it no. is. You know? you're, you're reminding me of the guy, I'm forgetting his name, um, the fit to fit, fit to, to fat. fat to fit. Yeah. Oh. Where he he kind of was trying to prove what you were just saying. He was like, you know, people think because I've always been in shape that I can't empathize with what they're going through. So he gained what, like 75 pounds. And then he lost it again to be able to empathize with people. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that story, but that's, that's oh, yeah. great. And that is exactly what I'm yeah. saying. And, and most of this for me started with, as I was growing up and, and coming through my, my formal medical training, I, I was very close with my mom who was overweight, who was super will of steel, right? Raised three boys and all of this kind of thing. And she couldn't do it. And I became enamored with this idea of why she couldn't stay on a diet, you know, and I would, all these diets always start on Monday for whatever reason, right? So I would talk to her on Monday and we were, we were close. I had open dialogue and then, and then Tuesday would come and Wednesday and Thursday. And, and I would say to her on Thursday, you know, she would say, David, that's it. You know, I, I just can't do this. It's not for me. I'm not meant to make this change. And I would just ask her, you know, if I put a gun to her, could you, stay on this diet, you know? And she said, I just can't. And and then would try to articulate to me why that was, even though she didn't know. And, and 100, 500 patients since then have tried to articulate to me the same thing. I can't do it, but I don't know why. Is it my thyroid? Is it my genetics? Is it my metabolism? Like they're trying to tell you that their body won't let them maintain this restriction. This isn't the way home for them. And, but they don't understand why. So then 
that's what I ended up spending my life trying to figure out. And now that I have the answer, not because I figured it out, just because it's out there, I want the world to know. I want all these people who are failing, especially those who might internalize it and become depressed or self-loathing or anything like that. I, the reason I wrote the book is because I want to tell all those people what you're feeling and what you're trying to say is real. It's measurable. It's true. You're right that you can't do it. And I want to apologize on behalf of every person who ever made you feel bad because you couldn't do it. Totally. Hey, biohackers. I am pretty darn excited to introduce you to donotage.org. They are a health research organization based in the UK and on a mission to extend healthy lifespan for as many people as possible. Do Not Age has an elite advisory board, including leading longevity research scientists. They are the only company that can guarantee the purity of their products to your door anywhere in the world. Some of their most popular ingredients include their 400 milligrams of fisetin, a potent senolytic which removes senescent cells and increases lifespan. And if you've been listening to the Biohacker Babes, you know all about senolytics. They also have hydrolyzed collagen peptides, which promote healthy skin, hair, and nail health, and a high-purity NMN. NMN has been shown to reverse aging, and it gives really big energy increases, as it is one of the main precursors of NAD+, an essential enzyme for various critical cell functions, including metabolism, DNA repair, cell growth, and survival. It is a hot topic on the market today, and we want those NAD levels to go up. Do Not Age also provides a flagship product called CERT6 Activator, a powerful ingredient tested to verify activation of sirtuin 6, similar to what is seen in centenarians. I certainly want to be one of those. <laughs> we, the biohacker babes, have been taking the CERT6 and NMN for the past couple of months, and I have to say, I am feeling a slight edge of increased energy and recovery just from taking this alone. Very soon, I'll be retesting my levels to confirm what I am feeling. I have a hunch the results are going to look pretty good. If you want to start extending your health span today by purchasing some of these fantastic ingredients, head over to donotage.org. That is hard to forget that website, donotage.org. You can use the code BIOHACKERBABES, all capitals, BIOHACKERBABES, for a discount on your order. If you would like to learn more, follow Do Not Age on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email hello at do not age.org for all the information you desire. All right, anti-agers and biohackers, let's get back to the show. So the solution is the procedure. Can you explain? Is it? No, 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 no. I didn't mean it to put it like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Part of I the definitely solution. didn't mean to put it like that. So the procedure was done. The, the procedure that I did was, was a proof of concept because I was I was being drowned out as I tried to to get this message out there that these folks shouldn't be shamed and that there are real reasons why they can't maintain this restriction. And I just got drowned out. Suck it up, suck it up. They, they must not really want it. You know, like the Joe Rogans of the world. I would love to talk to Joe Rogan, you know, and, and because they, he's a great example of somebody who who has not made this change, but self-declared authority that he could do it, right? And that he knows everything about it, right? But I love Joe Rogan, but I'm just saying. So, so the solution is not the procedure. The procedure was done to prove the concept. I wanted to all, I wanted to name it. It's called a cryovigotomy, what I described to you. And it's only one procedure, but it was proof of concept that it wasn't a willpower implantation, that it had nothing to do with that. Now, there are many other examples of things that were done to the body 
that resulted in a change in that biological starvation prevention response that led to people losing weight. The most obvious are these surgical procedures, right? The surgical procedures are early on, people thought, oh, well, if we make the stomach smaller, people will be less hungry, but that's not at all. Again, I know when I'm talking to you, you all are educated, you know this, but for anybody in the audience who might not know this, uh, those surgeries, those weight loss surgeries, they work, they're called metabolic surgeries now. They work because they take out the portion of the stomach that produces that hunger hormone. And so they work by changing hormone profiles. They work by changing molecular profiles when it comes to blood sugar you, and, and you know your audience being sophisticated, right? They change the profiles of things called CCK and GLP-1. And without getting too far into the weeds, the point is they work by changing the body. These are not psychological strengthening procedures, right? They change the body, which in a retrograde fashion then will change the mind. So it's the opposite of mind over matter. It's the total opposite. And once you, once we can accept that, that a change to the body will lead to a retrograde change in the mind, flip this mind over matter on its hind end, the whole paradigm upside down, we, then we have successes. And we know this to be true in other situations. If I could give you another example. Uh, we take care of a lot of patients who have phantom limb pain. They have pain in a foot that they don't have, right? And so historically, people would do the same thing to these patients. They would say, oh, you must be traumatized from the amputation. Uh, let's just really work on your mind and see if you can get rid of this foot pain, right? But in the reality is, if you do something to the, to the limb that remains, if you freeze that nerve, for example, not only does the pain go away because it's a condition of the body, but if you take MRIs after that, you'll see that over time, the brain will also change and adjust. So it's a condition of the body. And once we change the body, the mind will follow and we'll have a different outcome. But as long as we continue to say, well, we're just going to put you on a, a 1200 calorie diet and we're going to have you white knuckle through it. And that's how you're going to lose weight. Then we continue to have, have these terrible high numbers of, of failures and terrible high numbers of, uh, of overweight and obesity and all the downstream complications that go with it. So, so solution is not the procedure. The solution is to start addressing all of the things that block us, hunger being one, and there are others. I'm just curious really quick, like how much of that is the nervous system and something specific, like you said, the phantom limb pain, because I think typically that's kind of the brain's second fight or flight thinking that there's still kind of a trauma response. So do we need to address the nervous system or is it just about kind of removing that downstream. So it's just all about removing the downstream stimulus, right? Because all of this is coming from something in the body. The phantom limb pain example being the best one, you know, that it's not originating in the brain, right? This is this is old old way of thinking. It's originating in the body. And so it's all it's all the downstream changes. And and so if if we think of a, another example of the kinds of things that stop us, right? When we back to weight loss when we restrict our calories and our body perceives this starvation event, and, and actually even worse, like we're getting chased by antelope or something because we also start exercising. So, so the body says we're going to have to survive this storm that has commenced on Monday. The, another thing, another example is the body will, uh, again, telling you things I'm sure you already know, but just to, to prove the point or make the point, support the point, the body will then 
decrease the number of calories that it burns to stay alive. It'll decrease its basal metabolic rate to offset this restriction. Because in the simplest of terms, the body says, I've got a new stressor. I'm running away from antelope or whatever. In this day and age, we're on a treadmill. I've got a new stressor. I've also got less food for whatever reason. Maybe there's a drought or something. In order to live, I better conserve energy, decrease the amount of energy that I'm burning each day, and by the way, store whatever I do eat. So if you take that, that those principles and you bring them into 2022 and a patient in your office, and you've told them, I want just to decrease your caloric intake by 500 calories a day. I'm just making these numbers up by 500 calories a day. Uh, and that's going to add up over time. Well, guess what? The body is going to slow down its base burn and it's going to store what you eat and it's going to offset whatever 500 calories you cut, right? And then what's going to happen? The patient's going to come back to your office in a month and they're going to say, look, I did what you said. I cut that 500 out, but for some reason I didn't lose weight. And right there, right there is the crossroads between staying the way we are now or doing something different. Because the doing something different is saying, I know why that is. I know why you didn't lose weight. Not because you're weak, not because you don't really want it, but because of X, Y, and Z, right? And so it's a downstream effect for sure. That's a change that the body makes to offset your caloric restriction and block you from having success. So if you address that, the body, the downstream portion, then you're going to change the outcome. The human body is very smart. I'll say that. Um, and and wanna... wired to survive and wired to survive, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Hey, biohackers, if you are anything like me, I am always looking for ways to improve the quality of my sleep and to find a way to be more resilient to stress. I know a lot of people also struggle with feeling irritable or anxious or maybe insomnia, muscle cramps, twitches, even constipation. And guess what? These are all signs and symptoms of magnesium deficiency. These are just a few of the most common ones, but it's crazy because four out of five Americans are actually magnesium deficient, and almost everyone is at suboptimal levels. And that's a big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 600 biochemical reactions in the body. Now, here's what most people don't know. Taking just any magnesium supplement off the shelf won't solve your problem because most of those supplements, unfortunately, use the cheapest kinds that your body can't use and can't absorb. That is why Lauren and I specifically use Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the only full-spectrum magnesium supplement with seven unique forms of magnesium that your body can actually use and absorb. So when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded. Think your brain, your sleep, pain and inflammation, less stress. And the best part, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, our friends Bioptimizers, are having an incredible Black Friday special. This is going to run from November 21st to November 28th, and you can get not only Magnesium Breakthrough, but all of the Bioptimizers products for 25% off. This is truly the best time to stock up on these products because they only do this discount once a year. So if you head over to buyoptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes and enter code biohackerbabes10, you'll get 25% off of everything. And these supplements are truly amazing. And if for some reason you don't love them, that's okay. You can get a full refund. No questions asked. They are so confident in this that they actually offer a 365 day money back guarantee. That's just so incredible in the supplement industry to see. 
And if you're listening to this after Black Friday, no worries. Our listeners always get a 10% off anything with code BiohackerBabes10. So don't worry. Either way, head over to bioptimizers.com slash biohackerbabes. I will put that link in the show notes for today's episode. So definitely scroll down, check that out. And let's get back to the show. I want to get into maybe some of the tips and things that we can do to support that. But I have a quick question for you. Do you have an opinion on the HCG diet? Oh, gosh. So uh, this is where... Be honest. I'm so, so (laughs) curious. Uh, and so, so, so the idea is again. So let me st- let me be positive because I feel like I've been overly negative. So I think that the it, it's it may be something that does what I would like to see the world do, which is address the things that are stopping us, right? And so, if we're getting this HCG injected, we might be changing our body's response in the form of hunger and metabolism and anxiety and all of those things that block us. So I do think it has an effect on the biological response to calorie restriction. It softens it a bit. And in that, for that reason, I'm supportive. I would hesitate because it's an injected outside chemical and we really have to be careful about those kinds of things because even I mean, I want to get into kind of weird political discussion or something, but even when we kind of come up with a new drug or, or, or something, we have to be careful about just taking it because that drug, we, it'll act in the way that you want it to act, like we just said, and that's good. But usually there's also some effect somewhere else. And uh, we 30, have 50 be, years down the road. <laughs> yeah, maybe not even that long, right? Maybe not even that long. And so... I, I talk to my kids about uh, about this principle, and I say that, you know, there were there was a politician. This is a true story. There was a politician, you might remember this, in New York, who didn't want the people from one of the boroughs to be able to get to the polls and, and vote. So he started some construction on the bridge right around the voting time, right? And so what I try to teach my kids and what I would say about this HCG is that if you just think in a linear fashion, all right, if I slow the traffic on the bridge, less people will get across. Then, then that's that. But don't think like that. Think of what else can happen, right? So what actually happened is an ambulance got stuck on that bridge and a patient died. And this was something, oh, I didn't think of that because I was so focused on the linear uh, one-to-one sort of relationship of closing the bridge that I didn't consider that something else bad might happen. And so even though I like the idea of softening the biological responses by having HCG on board, I worry about the things that uh, we haven't considered might also be effective having that. Hmm. Yeah. I think with weight loss, I mean, there's so many spokes on the wheel. We can't just take one avenue and we have to have a creative orientation. So amen to that. It for sure is not going to be a one-to-one solution. Almost nothing is right. Almost nothing in all of like earth is ever a one-to-one solution like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just always think about Jenga. I'm like, oh, if I just one little thing, there's going to be another effect somewhere that's probably not going to be. So- I I couldn't agree more. I, I I absolutely couldn't agree more. I I in fact, I'm so passionate about this point. I'll give you another example that I'm always tell my kids. You know, if you come up uh, and you're going to to turn out of your intersection, right, and and you're going to turn right, so you're going to look left to see if any any cars are coming in your lane that you're going to go right, right, and then you're going to go. And I always tell them, you know, make sure you don't do that. Make sure you look the other way too, because you wouldn't expect somebody to be coming from that direction. But 
may be, right? So always mm-hmm. consider the thing that might happen that isn't the straightforward or one-to-one, I give you this and this happens, because almost never is that the case. Usually something else is going on. Yeah, and I think yeah. that, get pack, that gets packaged as like the magic pill solution. It just seems easy. People just looking straightforward, that's very appealing and attractive. Mm-hmm. But- and also, you have to remember the motivation of the person that is telling you these things, right? I'm <laughs> lucky <laughs> enough. Exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to say, and I try to say this every time I get a chance to, I, I'm lucky enough to have a good day job. And so I'm not by any means in this for the money. In fact, this is a huge amount of work to write this book and get this out there. It's, it's, it's not at all a money-making scheme. It's a get some information out to the public scheme. Unlike most of the things that we hear about, you have to ask yourself, what is the motivation of this person who is telling me this? And I would tell you 9.5 times out of 10, their motivation is to sell you a product, a widget. And mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to accomplish. They're not, they're not really trying to help you. In fact, if they did help you and you succeeded, they're going to go out of business, right? So (laughs) most of these products, they're happy with this, you know, cyclic failure and and then come back to me again. I mean, it's it's sort of, they've got you caught in a snare. It's if I sold you a car and when you went to drive off the lot, you turned the key and the car didn't work, right? And then when you came back to me and said, hey, this this car you sold me doesn't work, I, I say, oh. Because you don't know how to turn keys, I blame it on you somehow. And when it comes to when it comes to weight loss, you do that, and not you, of course. We do that, and the patient's like, "Oh, maybe it is my fault." You know, it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable how how that has uh, how that has evolved to to where it is over the years. Now, uh, the patient should be demanding a solution from us that works. Yeah. I, it's like the fourth and fifth agreement, be skeptical and then use discernment. And I think as biohackers, right. we try to share that message. It's like, don't take why. I'm so glad you said that because I'm always, we're talking, I'm thinking, do they think I'm crazy? I wonder how this is going. So I'm glad <laughs> that you feel that way. I'm glad that you feel that way because it oh, is yeah, so that's important. how we got here. It's like we both had dead ends from physicians, doctors, from mainstream health advice. So it was like, we had to figure it out ourselves. And, and why is the only question that got us to where we are now? It's like, uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, so and Dr. Prologo, I will say for yeah, me, man. so I had chronic fatigue syndrome in my twenties and the, my physician told me to sleep more. Oh my gosh. Right. So uh, if, if, if you talk about things outside, <laughs> outside of weight loss, right. Oh, yeah, you can apply um, this is, to everything. Oh, I take care of so many pain patients, right? And and the pain patients go through the same thing that the weight loss patients go through. The weight loss patients are trying to explain to you this difficulty that they have that you never felt that stops them from succeeding. And because you never felt it, you just say they're crazy and weak and shame them and send them off. The pain patients get that times a thousand. Chronic fatigue syndrome patient is going to get that, right? Because the person you're talking to has never felt that. And so their answer to you is that you either you're crazy or you're lying or you're exaggerating or it's not as bad as you say it is. But really, that's a failure on the on the part of the physician who gave you that answer, right? It's our job to not only just believe that's too that's not strong enough of a word, but to understand what you're saying is a problem for you. And it's my responsibility to solve it. And once it's solved and you feel better, then we've got to the end. 
But unfortunately, it's human nature that if I don't have a solution at my fingertips, then I just put it on you. And so this principle that I'm talking about with regard to uh, discrimination or bias uh, for obese patients goes far beyond that, goes to chronic fatigue syndrome, goes to pain patients and, and, and on and on and on. We see it a lot. Yeah. And then in the, into the mental health, mental, mental oh, illness category. Yes, I mean, yes. it's just all. I give you a virtual hug for saying that. So I don't There's want to so monopolize the conversation, but you're so, you're so right. You're so right. So just right now it's becoming so normalized to accept depression, accept anxiety, ADHD. We just have to, you know, have compassion for these people. It's like, well, it's a real health issue and we have healing opportunities and no one's talking about that. <laughs> Amen to that. And again, I would say it's the same disconnect, right? It's because when you come across someone who's who has felt what you're saying to them, what you're describing to them, then then it becomes a different thing. Then it becomes a journey together to get to the other side of whatever this is, right? So un- unfortunately, I, I don't have time to explain all this, but I have this this PTSD syndrome now. And I've never had that. I mean, I'm 48. And if you try to explain it to me before, I, you know, no one's going to say anything back. A lot of veterans have that. But, you know, in the, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, you're not in the war anymore. It's got to be something that is going to you can get over, even if you have the best of intentions, which I do. I think it's just human nature to think that. Right. And now I have felt it. Right. And when I try to explain it to people, I say, imagine that you're going through your day and all of a sudden, like, are either of you afraid of heights, by the way? Not no. afraid of heights. What are you afraid of? Spiders? My husband is. Snakes? Sorry. Something like that, right? Snakes? Deep, dark water. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Deep, dark water. Something I'm like that. Whatever it, water. Is, whatever it is that you're afraid of. Okay, let's take that. Me too, by the way. So Sharks, let's take that. Everything. Uh, I don't want to be in dark water next to a big ship. That's something that scares me. So, so let's say you are in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of the night. And you can imagine how that would feel, how that would make your heart race and you would maybe sweat, maybe not in the water, but you know what I'm saying. It's a, it's a physiological response. So this PTSD syndrome is that response, right? In the absence of the deep water. And so it just comes over you out of nowhere. And so I'm afraid of heights. So I explain it to people as like, I'm being held off a bridge, but I'm secure, right? So the person who's holding me off the bridge, they have me secured. I'm a hundred percent secured. And, but that doesn't help. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah. so it, because this feeling is on you and, and there's no getting rid of it. There's no reasoning your way out of it. And so it's just yet another great example, Lauren, of a body condition that needs to be managed and not, not mind over matter necessarily, because you just can't talk someone out of it. If I put you in that middle of the water in the middle of the night and you couldn't see land and it was dark. But I did. I told you not to worry about it. Don't worry about it. Right. I'm telling you, you're fine. You're going to be scared anyway, right? And so the body is a powerful thing. And the solutions are, are well, this audience is sophisticated, right? The solution is retrograde neuroplasticity. It's the fact that if we change the body in a retrograde fashion, we can change the brain. And again, this is not theory. This is something that we've shown. We've taken MRIs of people before we do something to the body and then MRIs of their brain afterwards. And we see that a change to the body in a retrograde way changes our brain because our brain has a degree of plasticity, a degree of ability to be changed. And so these outside in changes are the opposite of traditional thinking, but 
the solution for these kinds of problems like weight loss or PTSD or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, I think neuroplasticity is a huge part of, I mean, making any healthy changes or addressing any health issue. Hey, biohackers, did you know the use of silver actually has a long history and has been used by many ancient civilizations as a means to not only maintain health, but to preserve food and beverages? Before the mainstream discovery and acceptance of antibiotics in the early 1900s, silver was used in hospitals and is actually still used today. Silver has generally gotten a really bad reputation. Maybe you've heard the scary claims from the blue man that took too much silver. Well, quantity and especially quality really matter here. So most silver supplementation on the market is ionic silver, and it is unsafe for the body if used in high quantities. This is why we really love Silver Soul technology. It's not ionic, and it's a true colloidal silver, which is a nanoparticle coated by a silver oxide. What you really need to remember is that it's more effective, more efficient at lower parts per million. Silver Soul technology is 10 to 33 parts per million, where other companies have up to 3,000 parts per million. The takeaway, more is not better. Yeah, and Silver Biotics actually has a range of products, but we especially love their immune-specific line. The Silver Soul technology has a natural way of targeting invaders without the side effects. This uses multiple modes of action on how it actually targets invaders, and it uses the natural elements to kind of trick the body, so to speak, and then it kickstarts the immune system. Yes, I love these natural defenses. So it actually came to the rescue to me the other day. I was feeling a little run down and at the end of my luteal phase. So for my ladies, that is when we are the most vulnerable. So I took a few doses and a day later, I was feeling pretty brand new. I was just so grateful that I had this stuff on hand. And guess what? I'm still not blue. I can confirm that she is not blue. <laughs> and either am I. And I've had a similar experience. It really kind of saved the day for me. And on top of the immune line, we have some other products from them that we love their skincare, like their healing skin cream, the anti aging facial serum, and then their oral care. The whitening toothpaste is amazing. I call myself a toothpaste snob. I have tried all the natural ones. And usually, when they're really clean toothpaste, they don't work well, but this one is incredible. You know what? I think my teeth are turning blue. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the whitening toothpaste is for. No. Actually, I love the toothpaste too. We get sent a lot of different brands of toothpaste to try. And I have to say, I'm never usually a fan, but this one is a clear winner in my book. I'm definitely going to continue it. And to wrap things up, they also have the wound care product and they have pet care products for all the animal lovers out there like Lauren and I. Meow. <laughs> Surprised you didn't woof. Woof. <laughs> so if you want to check out the products from Silver Biotics, you can head over to silverbiotics.com and make sure you use discount code biohackerbabes at checkout to save some money. We will put the link to their website and the discount code in the show notes for today's episode. All right, let's get back to the show. So maybe we can jump into what are some of the solutions. Right, for people. great. You guys are really good at this. Nice segue. <laughs> So, <laughs> like, okay, it's like until they can read the book, I know they want some answers. What do they do? Of course, of course, yeah. And and uh, and again, I'm, I just want to get that message out there. So you know, if they if they want to read the book, that's fantastic. But if not, I'll just tell you right now. So the greatest thing that we can do to induce a, a retrograde neuroplasticity or uh, or this change that we want with regard to weight loss, right? So we're back talking about weight loss. 
the change occurs at a certain point. And again, the change is retrograde neuroplasticity. So the change is going to be in the brain. So, so let's first define what is that change? What's the change going to, what's it going to be before and after? The before is the way it is right now. If you take a 250-pound person or a 270-pound person, you subject them to exercise and calorie restriction, they feel like SHIT, right? They hate it. It's horrible. They're sore. They're tired. Uh, and then when you get to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're starving. There's inflammatory molecules, and, and they're upset, and they couldn't even be depressed and anxious. All of this is real. And that's the way that, that's the experience that they have right now. Okay, so what's the after then? What would be the change after we made this neuroplastic adjustment? The change would be the way the, I call them the always lean people. The way the, the people who are currently lean and running and exercising and drinking kale shakes and going to yoga, the way they feel now, ask them, let's interview them. How do you feel? I feel great. I love it. I can't wait to get up tomorrow morning and go to yoga. I can't wait to get out there and run tomorrow. The person over here, the, the before person, they don't. They're like, what? That's, this sucks. Nobody wants to do this. And so, but the after person, they can't live without it. They will tell you that they literally love it and can't wait to do all of these kinds of things. And that's why they're smiling when they come out of the, of the gym or whatever it might be, right? So the, we need to get the people from the before to, to make that plastic adjustment and become one of the after people. So how do you do that? How do you make the experience different? You have to get to a certain point beyond which the experience is different. And that point is defined by an exercise capacity. You change your exercise capacity by making changes to the body, right? That exercise capacity change then feeds in a retrograde fashion to the brain and makes your experience different. So again, you know, people might listen to this and say, well, here's like, this is a prologal theory, but it's not. So if we go back to the, the cryovagotomy, the, the hunger nerve freezing uh, procedure, we have people who are exactly over here telling you the whole thing sucks and miserable. There's no way I'm going to do this. And then we took away their hunger and let them get through that point. The nerve regenerates, by the way. So the nerves now regenerated, but they're over here past, the, past what we call the catching point. And now they're taking selfies at the gym and they're telling you there's no way they can live without working out. And so if you can change the experience for the person from terrible to great, then you will change their outcome. And you do that by getting them to an exercise capacity that corresponds with that point beyond which things are easier. I called that the catching point for purposes of the book. Uh, it corresponds to about 220 met minutes. It's an actual physiological change that happens in the body that feeds back in a retrograde fashion and changes the mind. Because if it were fun, then everybody would do it, right? So we just need to get them to that side where the experience is fun. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys have kids, but it's almost like raising kids. At that point, they don't even need you anymore. They're gone and they're off on their own and they're Googling ninja abs and workouts and they want to do it, right? So that's the solution. The solution is to change your exercise capacity and so that you are through that point. Now, back to my motivation for doing this in the first place was to get this information out there, right? I always thought, you know, Dr. Atkins, he knew something about macronutrient thermogenesis. It was something that was medical and known. And he wrote a book and got it out there for the public in the form of, you know, a, a high protein, low carb diet. So I thought it had similar information. 
So I wanted to get it out to the public. And the reason I bring it up now is because I will tell you that changing your exercise capacity is not a very sellable product. And it is not a very marketable idea because you have to come to someone and say, I need you to trust me and stay with me. We're going to change your exercise capacity. It's going to take us six to eight months and you're not going to lose a pound probably. And after that, you're going to be a different person. You'll be home free. For whatever reason, nobody wants to do that. It's it's very unpopular because my competition yeah, people don't have patience to wait that long. They need something. They need some kind of progress immediately. Sure. If it's not even their long term goal, just something short term to for know, sure. reinforce the motivation. So and when the, and when <laughs> the the counter the counter option or the alternative option is someone with a a hundred million dollar marketing budget telling you that I'll lose that weight you want to lose for you in ninety days. And you, and you have to choose between, like, Prologo, who says it's six to eight months of nothing, and, uh, yeah, and then, then I'll feel better <laughs> uh, compared to this guy who says they can do it in 90 days. And they'll always choose this one. Yeah. Even if every time they fail, they still go back to that one. So it's been, it's been an, an unpopular sort of thing to say. But, again, I, I'm not – I just want to get the truth out there. I just want, I just want people to understand. and. If you see someone who has gone through this catching point and see how transformed they are and what a different life they lead, then it becomes, I think, something like uh, if you, whatever you might want to be, say doctor, I'm a doctor, right? So uh, I had to go to medical school. So all the time I'm in medical school, I'm not a doctor. And, and I'm just like putting in this work so that one day I can be a doctor, right? That's what this is. Just give me six to eight months and you're not going to lose weight during that time. You're not going to do surgery during that time, but, but at the end you can, right? And if you don't do this, you're not likely to succeed. I mean, the, the stats don't lie, right? Yeah. yeah. I love all your analogies. They're, they're so, so good. That's really interesting because I feel like I am one of those people that I love to work out. I go to the gym and I feel great after. And it's like, it's hard, almost hard for me to comprehend that someone doesn't want to work out. Like when they say, right. I, I haven't worked out in 10 years. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Um, right. Right. So that person, if we could get that person to feel like you feel, then this yeah. wouldn't be such a mystery and such a difficult uh, thing to accomplish because people would want to do it. So how so do we can help? You, yeah. Can you give a very specific example of how to change exercise capacity? And then I have like I have some very specific <laughs> questions because I, I see it with the clients. I see like exceptions to the rule. So Let's start with the example. Okay, let's say let's say with the ninety nine percent because there is there is always an exception, and someone does always come out of the walls and say, you know, I just went on this diet, I didn't eat anything for one hundred and eighty days, and I did it. You know, I understand. I'm talking about the majority of the people. So, yeah. so yes, I would I would love. I mean, that's this is what the entire book is about: how to do this step by step. Right? The way to the the best example, and and what I think is the most important part of changing your exercise capacity is eating the right things, right? So right now, the people we are talking about, here comes another uh, analogy, Renee. So the people we're talking about, we're asking them to empty a pool, right? And all they have is a Dixie cup, though, like this. You know, that's gonna, you're going to get frustrated and quit. I can't empty this pool, right? Because they don't have the exercise capacity to feel good, most importantly, and or make any significant change. So in order to become somebody who can do 220 minutes of exercise, right? Let's 
let's just for the sake of conversation, let's call it jogging uh, without pause for 30 minutes because it's something around there. Okay. As you guys know, it's different for every person, but let's just say if you, in order to get to that exercise capacity, you need to change the structure of your body, which means you need to intake the right things that are going to aid in your recovery after your exercise bout. And this is the opposite of I'm going to start exercising and then restrict my intake. You don't stand a chance. If you start moving towards this exercise capacity and you supplement your diet with the things that are going to help you reorganize your body so that you can do that amount of exercise, then you're going to change your exercise capacity. But if you do it any other way, you'll stay with your Dixie cup, come back every three weeks on a Monday and try and empty that pool. So you've got to, so there's more than one answer to this, but the, the one I want to give you to illustrate what I'm talking about is you have to eat the right things, stay full and eat the right things. It's counterintuitive to what we hear, but it's the truth. So is that kind of like the, I guess most people are used to hearing uh, move more, eat less, but then there's the theory of move more, eat more. Eat right. Okay. Move more, move more, eat move right. More, eat right. Okay. Move more, eat right. In the beginning, yeah. right? Because remember, we're trying at this juncture not to lose pounds. We're trying to change your exercise capacity. So, okay, okay another analogy now. Now, look what you did. You gave me positive reinforcement. So, um, if, if instead no of, of losing weight, our idea was, we, I really want to race in Indianapolis 500. I mean, that looks so cool. I want to be able to do that. Those people who do that are cool because that is what happens with weight loss. I really would like to lose weight. I see these people over here. They look cool. They seem happy. I'd like to be part of that. So if I want to be part of the Indianapolis 500, I can't take the car that I have now, drive it up there and start, right? I've got to spend the first six to eight months reconfiguring my car so that I stand a chance in the race. If I just try with what I have now, I'm going to fail. So I need to move deliberately and eat right until my exercise capacity reaches that critical point, which we've called the catching point, we've defined with this number, after which time my experience is different, after which time I look forward to working out, and then I'm out of the nest. So I'm going to um, play the 1%, the, the, you know, the troublemakers in the group. Sure, sure. I see with some clients, it becomes a vicious cycle. So you said we need to build exercise capacity, make better food choices so we can recover, show up better. But I see this vicious cycle where people are not motivated. So maybe they do a little bit of a workout, but they're too tired. They feel bad. And then, you know, they reward themselves with bad food and then they don't sleep well. And they just kind of get stuck in this cycle so that there's never, and I guess we could circle back to willpower. Like there's literally nothing in their nervous system. Their brain neurochemistry is saying like, choose the better food. Like how do we get out of that cycle yeah. for those people? It- we get the message out, right? You get these wonderful, smart people to start a podcast and get you to talk on it so you can get the message out there. Because the answer to your question is people do not realize that there is a different way to feel. They think what you just said, they start exercise, they feel tired, they feel like they're, they deserve to eat that night and feel good and eat pizza. And they believe that this is it. This is the experience. All of these people tell me that if I continue this exercise, uh, at some point, I'm going to lose the weight I want to be the kind of person that I want to be. But this sucks. And what they do not know and what I want everyone to know 
is that there is a point beyond which not only does it not suck anymore, but you will want to do it. There is a famous guy from Harvard. You might recognize his name. His name is Lee Kaplan. And he has this quote that exercise alters our food choices toward healthy, I messed that up, options, healthy options. So over time, your exercise will actually impact and alter what you want to eat. It will make you want to eat healthier foods, right? But not until you put in this time. So you have this person that you're saying has to trust me that at the end of this time, you will no longer feel so tired and crappy and you will no longer crave these same reward foods because it all changes after that point and it's not a struggle anymore. Nobody wants to struggle for the rest of their life. Nobody's going to do that. No matter no matter what you say, no. or not you, I keep saying you, no matter what a person says, they don't want to feel crappy and hungry and all this stuff for the rest of their life. So you're going to get discouraged, right? Yeah. So are there milestones along the way that we can reward or just some kind of, I mean, there has to be compliancy on, on both ends because yeah. Tr- I mean, trust can be implicit, but it's still like, you know, day-to-day behaviors, life gets in the way, random things pop up. There is no doubt about that. And so one of the things we talk about in the book uh, is actually called the random day of awesomeness, which I know is corny and <laughs> terrible, but I love it. <laughs> I, I wanted to call it that because it's, it's out there, right? And uh, it's so beautiful for two reasons. So what is it, first of all? So the first thing is, what is it? It is this day along the way before you get to that exercise capacity and pass through that catching point that you feel this way. And it's such a striking thing. It will be a day that out of nowhere, you do want to go work out or you out of nowhere all of a sudden think that, you know, I'm, I'm into this. I'm one of these people and I'm going to have, you know, whatever it might be, egg whites for breakfast. And it sort of comes out of nowhere. Uh, And this is the reinforcement that you're talking about, right? Uh, Nothing breeds success like a little success. And and it, but unfortunately, from our end, from the guider guidance person's end, we don't know when it's going to come. That's why it's called random. So we can't tell them you when it's going to be. Don't worry, hang on for ten more days because it sort of comes out of nowhere. But the good thing about it being random is that not only does it serve the purpose to hook the person, which is what I think you're saying, it gives them that positive feedback they need along the way to stay engaged, right? It, it mm-hmm. not only hooks them, but it hooks them in the same way that a slot machine hooks somebody. It's random variation. <laughs> As you pull that slot machine, you don't know when, it's, when you're going to uh, hit the jackpot, and it's not the same every time. So that random variation of, of it comes out of nowhere when you least or don't expect it. Or that's what addicts people. That's a mechanism we know of addiction. It's the same thing here. When you hit that random day chance. of awesomeness and it works like random variation and then it, it addicts you to the process. So what you're asking about, these built-in milestones to keep people engaged, they are implicit to the process. So they'll be there. I just don't know when. You just don't know when it's going to happen. I can tell you this. You keep someone engaged for three months, they'll have one. And it's like hitting a jackpot. It's just, mm. You're going to come back again and again. Like, oh, my God. You're going to come back again and again, seeking that same uh, positive response that you got until you pass through. And every day is like that. Now, I said every day. So this is where Joe Rogan would say, Every day is not like that. Ten days sucks for me too, and I don't feel like doing it. Of course, but that the ratio has changed a lot. Now, ninety percent of the time, you do want to do it, 
And 10% of the time, you have to drag yourself through it, which is the total opposite of this poor person over here, who 10% of the time, not even 1% of the time, they like it. 99% of the time, they just want to quit and do anything else, right? So they're built in, what you're asking about. Another great analogy, especially since I live in Las Vegas. So I love it. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to go play some slots after this. Putting the quarters in. <laughs> yeah. No, and I I mean, I, I really appreciate that thought of, you know, exercising, then fueling that you want to eat better. Like I definitely experienced that. And yeah, some days I don't feel like working out, but even on those days I go to work out, I feel amazing after. Right. Um, right. And so you're saying that. And, and, a, and a person who wants to be on your side of this expanse, they hear you say that and they've never felt that. So they're just like, yeah. I can never be like that. You know, for me, it'll just be dragging my you know butt through the mud for 30 years. Forget it. Yeah. So the message is it won't be that. Just drag your butt through the mud long enough to cross through this point, And then you'll <laughs> look like Renee. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, right. your happiness. You know. Just. Hang in there till you get to the the catching point. Yeah, right. catching point. Yeah, great solutions for everyone. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. I just love your passion and your mission to, I think, change the world. And yeah, well, I so love much. you guys, and I am very honored to be uh, to be a part of the show and to be on here today. So thank you. Yeah, oh, thank it's been you. Great. Well, yeah. we have one final question for you. If yes, you can ma'am. leave our audience with one final piece of advice, something they can start doing today to optimize their health and wellness. Oh my gosh. So right now, start walking. Right now, start walking. And I have to put a little caveat on there. Uh, don't overdo it. So I know we don't have time to talk about every single page of the book, but uh, one of the pitfalls of this process is overdoing it, right? We're talking about people who have a limited exercise capacity and it takes time to change that. And so if you overdo it, you will send yourself, you will send your body into an overdrive response to stop you. So it's got to be start walking today, but have patience with the process. Mm. Gosh, the timing of that advice is so funny because literally last night, my husband and I were walking around the neighborhood talking about how we've been doing Orange Theory Fitness for six years together. Mm-hmm. And over that, over that time, it's amazing how many people we have seen come and go, but they'll come in, they'll do, you know, two, one hour classes a day, six days a week. Right. And then right. a month later, they're gone. Gone. Right. Um, because they, burnout. They everything that yeah. we taught, right. Exactly. So in the book, actually, there is a questionnaire for the reader during the process to answer and see where you are with regard to burnout. Because Again, the general population doesn't understand this idea of burnout and diminishing returns. They've never been there, right? But it's a real thing to run yourself into the ground and quit something. And it's very easy when you're starting with a limited uh, exercise capacity to overdo it and send yourself into a downward diminishing returns spiral. And so that that there's a questionnaire in the book for exactly that. Take a minute, you know, and look at this and see where you are. And it's all sort of counterintuitive to what we usually here. If you score high enough on this uh, burnout questionnaire, you need to stop for a couple of days, right? And, and let your and eat deliberately and let your body catch up because that's what's important. The change, the change happens in between the exercise bouts, not during, right? You all know that, not during. So in the book, we use this idea of a, of a, a potted plant that you get from the grocery store. You bring it home, you want it to bloom, so you water it. And then you water it again and again 
And again, right? What's going to happen? It drowns. But if you water it once and then settle down and wait for the in-between changes to occur, then you will change the structure of that flower and end up with what you want versus drowning it with with exercise every day after day after day. Winning analogies. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You get an award for best analogy. (laughs) Yeah. All right, oh, Dr. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us, uh, tell our audience where they can find more of you, find the book. Yes, please. So uh, I think drprologo.com, D-R-P-R-O-L-O-G-O.com has links to everything, has links to the book if you're interested in that, has links to you know what we're trying to do to take care of, uh, of patients, of human beings, of pain, all those kinds of things. It all, it all sort of starts right there. So anybody with any interest in any of it, please... Uh, visit that website and I hope we can help you. Wonderful. Thank we you will so put much. that in the show notes for today's episode, along with we have your Facebook, Instagram, all of that wonderful stuff. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. This is awesome. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then... Happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.